Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Church family, if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to get them open to the book of Matthew today, uh, the very first gospel. We're going to be in chapter six is going to be our primary landing place as today we launch a new five-week little mini preaching series called Beyond Giving. And today, uh, we're going to be kicking off the series. If you've got something to take notes with, and I would highly encourage you, whether it is uh, something you can write down on, a journal or notepad, or maybe it's uh, the note page on your phone, uh, to to encourage you to consider taking notes. Today's message is called Chasing the Heart. Chasing the Heart from Matthew chapter 6. I know... Uh, as soon as I say, probably even in the weeks, if you've been hearing about the series leading up to this, you've been going, oh boy, series on giving. Um, even this morning, if you heard me go, uh, oh, oh, you know, today we're going to start this new series called Beyond Giving, you may have been tempted to go, uh, well, let me just put it this way. You may, you may be like one of two guys who got marooned on an island, their boat wrecked, they ended up uh, totally stranded out on an island. One of the dudes was pacing back and forth, looking incredibly nervous, looking up at the sky, looking out at the water constantly. The other dude sits down on the side of the water, kind of puts his feet back, just kind of chills out, enjoys getting the sun. The guy who paces back and forth goes, what in the world? Why are you so chill right now? He said, let me tell you. (laughs) He said, I make $10,000 a week. I tithe to my church. My pastor will find me. All right. You may feel like, as you hear about a giving series, um, oh, I know what this is about. (laughs) They're coming to get my money. (laughs) I I get this one. I've seen it from a mile away. Um, And that's legitimate. Um, Totally understand it. We take up an offering. We gladly do so at the end of the service. We encourage you to donate. Um, Give generously, all right? (laughs) But... I want to get out of the way at the start of this series, uh, a pastoral burden that I feel. I want to go ahead and address something that I think is in the room, probably in your hearts, probably in your mind. And the reason I know it's probably in your heart and mind, because it was in my heart and mind before God called me to ministry. There's a lot of reasons when you hear about a giving series to be a little bit like, ooh, a little reluctant. Um, And I want to legitimize probably some of your concerns or fears. Because I think in the day that we live, um, and just being who we are, like, it, it makes sense why there could be reluctance around a conversation about giving in a church. Um, a couple of these I'll put on the screen, and, and, and maybe they resonate with you, maybe they don't, okay? But a couple of these I know, I mean, we live in a day, you guys, where our culture places a high value on the stuff that we have, on the possessions that we can acquire. And just to be honest, this may not be you, so please don't hear me accusing anyone here of anything. 
But to be honest, sometimes it is hard to look seriously at the teachings of Jesus in the Bible. If y'all ever read through the Gospels, right? Sometimes it is hard to hear Jesus talk to us about our possessions because we have a lot. And sometimes it goes completely counterculture to the world in which we live that just says more and more is better. And sometimes it's just tough in a materialistic and consumeristic society to know how to deal with some of the teachings of God as relates to money, and it can create reluctance. Secondly, I know the economy sucks, okay? Anybody feeling some of the the anxiety around economy? I mean, I say it sucks. That's a word that I shouldn't use from the pulpit, but (laughs) that's the word that I heard on news commentary this week. It depends on how you look at it. Some people go, it's great. Some people go, we're about to collapse. But what I do know is for almost all of us, there's been this underlying kind of uncertainty and a little bit of anxiety probably in the last years. And certainly with inflation for all of us, y'all raise your hand if your grocery grocery bill's been costing more lately, right? Your gas bill's been costing more. Uh, I got an electric bill this past month that's the highest I've ever seen, and I was like, oh my goodness. Um, Inflation is real. Things are tight. Some of us are still trying to pay back loans. Some of us are month to month. For us to have a conversation right now about giving almost feels a little insulting in some ways if we're a little honest because there is an underlying tension, perhaps, in many of us related to present or even thoughts about the future. Can I get a witness silently? You can just go, mm-hmm, okay. There's also, I think, if we're honest, in these last years, perhaps in your lifetime, there, there's a distrust of institutions that seems to be growing. We can track that statistically in surveys. We know it to be true. It's not just within uh, churches and Christian institutions, but institutions in general and a distrust of leadership. But it is certainly also true in the Big C Church. And perhaps it could have been true in this local church where at times we go, I just don't know know, about giving because like, I don't know how the funds are being managed. I'm concerned about the way that they're potentially misusing money, or maybe it's not going completely to, the, to, to, to helping other people. Maybe they're, they're stuffing some in their pockets behind the scenes, or, or maybe we're doing this in this way, and I'm just not sure that that's the best strategic use of resources. We've all heard here in this city, headline news, even in the last two months, of pastors and leaders and churches that have been caught in financial schemes, taking money that is sincerely given to God and abusing that money for their own financial gain. You've heard stories about that around our country. It is a real thing that I think if we're honest, we all a little bit feel a little uncertain or a little skeptical or a little anxious about institutions and the use of money. Maybe you could even think This is some financial crisis. That's why they're creating a giving series. They're about to have to campaign for some big amount of money that they need. I'm here to tell you, you know, we we haven't been perfect, but I am so thankful for 12 years running now with deep humility and gratitude to God. We have ended 12 years in a row in a surplus. This is not coming out of 
a need, there's no campaign gonna be starting after this series. We're not in some financial crisis. We do need faithful and generous giving. I'm not trying to deny that. But what I'm saying is, I do want you to know, I understand the distrust, but I hope you can at least trust my heart right now. We haven't preached a giving series in over nine years, and this is not being motivated by any desire other than to try to pastor you well and follow the, the leadership that God's put on our heart. I also know in our culture today, perhaps some of you in the room, there's a high degree of personal autonomy and cultural individualism. Anybody feel like their money is theirs and nobody should tell you what to do with it? Don't raise your hand, that would be awkward. <laughs> but many of us, probably with, with what we have, kind of go, you know what, it's none of your business. How much money's in my savings account? You know, I, I don't want you kind of knowing my net income. Like, that's, that's, that's between me and God, my accountant, my family. I, I'm not interested in you trying to like boss me around as it relates to how I'm supposed to use my, my stuff or, or what I'm supposed to do with what God has given me. We tend to prioritize individualism, especially here in the West. And I know that that creates a little bit of resistance just at the onset of a series like this because it, money feels so private and in our culture we're told it's just all in our control. It's all up to me. So when I start teaching about some of this and asking you to let loose of some of what you have, there could be some resistance just because of the realities of the culture we live in. All right, just briefly at the end, we'll just mention, I know some of us perhaps have negative past experiences where your giving has been abused, and I really grieve that because I know that those kinds of experiences have really probably affected your trust, and it makes a series like this difficult. And I also just want to acknowledge that in our day-to-day, -day, really not just in America, but around the world, there has been a lot of concern with prosperity theology, just bad teaching around money that honestly talks about, you know, you do this and it's kind of like a, a vending machine, you know, you put in and God will just pour out and it's, it's kind of this idea of maybe some skepticism around whether it's somebody you've seen on TV or churches you've been with in the past, just this, you know, is this really how God works and is this, is this, is this actually like purely motivated again? You know, we talked about that a second ago or is this some just kind of gimmick? So I know at the onset, I just want to acknowledge, that's what I'm trying to do, that standing up here, um, starting a series about giving, there's some resistance. Inside your heart, only you can know is that true. And I guess I'd ask you right now just to evaluate it. Naming the resistance is helpful because it allows us to deal more honestly as we journey forward. But here's what I wanna say as I turn our attention today toward the heart of what I believe God wants us to look at this morning and in the few weeks ahead. I wanna add one more to the list of potential of why I think people often are resistant around this conversation of money. And here's what it is. Could it also be a lack of spiritual awareness? Is it possible that part of our resistance to actually 
opening up and being excited about a giving series and really open to the words of Jesus, the words of God as it relates to our possessions and resources, could it be that part of our resistance is because, in general, we just don't realize how connected our stuff is to spiritual flourishing. I'll ask it a different way. Could it be that we lack a full understanding of the good design of God as it relates to resources? Could it be that you actually, by closing yourself to the conversation, have prevented yourself from full flourishing in the way of God's design? Could it be that perhaps this morning you might acknowledge, you know what, like, maybe I need to be more open to this conversation because maybe God knows what's best. And part of his desire for me is for me to experience flourishing in this area of finances. And I'm ta not talking about just getting rich. When I say flourishing, I'm not talking about more savings, more retirement accounts, more security, more houses, more land, more cars. I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about flourishing in the fullness of God's design, experiencing life to the full. Jesus said he came that we might have life and life abundantly. Could it be that the true abundance of life that he wants us to experience also includes us being willing and open to what he says about our money? So this morning, I'm really excited uh, to be able to talk about this series, Beyond Giving. And I really believe it's going to be a great journey. Here's why I, I want to connect it to this whole idea of the full design of God. Um, I actually think I probably need to apologize to you that I haven't talked about giving more. <laughs> because I, I really believe, I think you need to know in, in my heart, I, sometimes I get nervous about talking about it because I don't want you to get the wrong impression of our church because we're not motivated by money. But I actually, as I study the Bible, you guys, and here's what I would encourage you to just journey with me in this series. As I study the Bible and you look at it, you really cannot avoid the topic of money, personally or us corporately, because by doing so, we're avoiding a huge conversation topic that God wants to have with us in the scripture. In fact, over 2,000 verses in the Bible actually speak to the topic of money and finance. Does anybody know how many total verses in the Bible? This is a trivia question. Best team wins. Anybody? Would it be 20,000, 30,000, or 40,000 in the range? It's in the 30,000 range, all right? Just answer the question. About 31,000 and change, all right? So over 2,000, a little less than 10% of the total verses in the Bible, actually, God is trying to have a conversation with us, it seems, about our resources. Look at the Gospels. Randy Alcorn, who does a lot of work as it relates to uh, teaching on biblical use of resources and money, he estimates, and you can do the work yourself, but the percentage is even higher as it relates to the specific teachings of Jesus. If you go to the Gospels, over 15% of the teachings of Jesus are actually connected to him trying to have a conversation with his disciples about 
what's in their bank accounts, the property that they have, how they're thinking about resources for the future. Very interesting. There's verses I put up on the screen, a few of them, you will not be able to read them and that's the point. Because I could put up probably four or five uh, whole uh, decks of verses that are just related to what Jesus teaches. Bless you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Everybody who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You lack one thing, Jesus says. Sell all that you have and go give it to the poor. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. He says seek first my kingdom and righteousness and all the other stuff you're worried about as it relates to your bank accounts and your resources, that'll, that'll be added to you. One's life, he says, does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Zacchaeus says, behold, here's all half of my gifts. I, I give it to the poor. And Jesus turns around and goes, today salvation has come to the house. God says to the one who builds barns and has bank accounts bigger and bigger, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is for the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Ooh, ouch, you know? You, you go through the gospels. Anybody ever read through them and go, I'm gonna skip that one real quick. If I linger that one too long, I don't know what to do with it, right? I'm sitting in my nice house, reading my nice Bible, my nice coffee mug, wearing my nice Lululemons. I study about Zacchaeus giving everything to the poor and Jesus says, that's what I want. I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, what do I do with this? Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. Now, you've got to ask the question, what's the big deal? And the first question you would ask is, does Jesus need cash? I mean, for real. Has anybody ever thought about it? It's like, Dang, he's talking about money a lot. Is, he the, the, is, the, is the dude just that desperate? Even now, you know, does Jesus need your cash? Is that what we're talking about giving? <laughs> well, let the Bible speak for itself. Hope you're writing notes this morning and all of this. Psalm 24, 1. It's a good reference. You could look up many more like it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. In other words, in Georgia, we'd say, heck no, he doesn't need cash. Jesus does not need cash. Everything belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. How silly of us to think that Jesus needs our tithe or our money. Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus gave you your money. You need his money. Are you kidding? It's all his. So what's the big deal? He doesn't need cash. The second question I guess you could ask is, is this some kind of ploy? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, is he trying to start some institution to get rich off of your money? Is this some, like, pyramid scheme? Is this all about him trying to control things for his own benefit or whatever? Okay, guys, for crying out loud, I think we could answer that question the guy who's trying to talk to you about money gave up all his money. He who had everything became poor. If you read the Gospels, Luke chapter 9, for instance, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This is a guy who didn't even own a house. 
who was completely, he made himself completely dependent on others around him. (laughs) And above all that, he sacrificed his own physical life for you in his prime at the age of 33. That's not a selfish dictator. That's a servant, God. That's the one who actually, perhaps more than any other, you could trust that when he's talking to you about money, he's not motivated by anything in himself. What if this one is actually trying to talk to you about something that's motivated by love for you? What if he actually knows what he's talking about? And just like others who are around them, they go, ooh, this guy's different. He's speaking like a prophet. He's kind of like, it's almost like he's like heard from God and he's speaking directly into our souls about things that are true, things that are needed, uncomfortable, but important. This one, Jesus, as you answer the question, is it, does he need it? Is, does he, is he poor? Does he need to get rich? No. Does he need your cash? No. Is this a ploy? Absolutely not. Could it be that this is your God trying to get your attention about something that you need to hear? This morning, I want to answer the question. This is going to be the simplest message you may have ever heard me preach. I'm gonna answer the question, what's the big deal about money with a single statement that will be your main point for the day and the foundation for the series that God has put on my heart. I've prayed and sought the Lord around what is it God you want us to understand. After searching the Bible and deep studying this, what is the big deal? And here's what I believe is the truest of truth what the scripture speaks this morning that I want for you to hear from God. Our main point this morning is this. God is not chasing our money. He is chasing our hearts. God, your God, who loves you and gave himself for you, He wants to have a conversation with you about your resources. But in doing so, you need to know that he's not chasing your money. Instead, he is chasing your hearts. Matthew chapter 6 is where I asked you to open, and I hope you're there. We're going to look at a single verse. Isn't that exciting? told you, simplest message perhaps. But I believe in the simplicity is depth that will take us a lifetime to live in. He says in Matthew chapter six, verse 21, the same verse for those who are note takers this morning is also found in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. Almost repeated word for word. Matthew 6, 21. This is from the ESV. Will you all read this with me? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Say it again with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So why, Jesus, why, Pastor Barrett, 
Why do we have to talk about money? <laughs> really? And Jesus looks you in the eyes and he basically says this. You got to understand. There is a fundamental connection between a person's spiritual life and their attitudes and actions concerning money and possessions. You gotta see it. You cannot separate who you really are, the fullness of who you actually are and your spiritual life with God. You cannot separate who you are in your life with God from what you have and how you use it. This is what Jesus is teaching. So if you're one who writes in your Bible or takes the Bible verses and scribbles on them on another piece of paper and likes to, to write like me, I love marking up scripture. It's one of the ways that I engage with it and study it. But you could go back to that verse, Matthew 6, 21, and essentially what you wanna do is circle treasure, circle heart, and draw an arrow between them. Because what's happening is Jesus is saying, look, you've got to see the direct connection between your treasure, and no, none of us are pirates of the Caribbean, so you don't get out of this by going, I ain't never found no treasure. Okay. What we're saying is anything material that you have in your possession, it could be cash, it could be savings, it could be land, it could be cars, it could be homes, it could be retirement accounts, it could be clothing that you currently have on, it could be the TV that's in your you know, entertainment center or the fridge that perhaps is in your kitchen. We're talking the totality of material things that are in your control. Jesus looks at you and he says, I need you to hear me say something. There's a direct connection between that and your heart. Direct connection. And you go, well, uh, what do you, help me understand this perhaps. Here, here's how you understand it. It's very simple. It's called the treasure principle. Money is an instrument of exchange. Y'all understand this? Money, all it is, all that it is, it's just metal, you guys, it's paper, it's like in the digital world, I don't even know what it is now in digital, Num it's zeros and onesies, onesies, <laughs> it's zeros and ones. I mean, what is, I mean, what is it? It's like, what is it? It's assigned value because it allows you to exchange it something else. Money is an instrument of exchange. Therefore, here's going to be the moment that I step on a little toes. Fair warning. Therefore, where your money goes shows you what you love. It shows you your heart's. Wherever your money goes is a direct sign of where your heart is. Because with your money, you're exchanging it for things that you value. 
So you want to say it another way? Okay, let me say it another way. Our heart, or what we love, actually drives how we spend our money. You see? So, you want to know where your heart is? Um, so, some of y'all haven't done this in a while, but balance your checkbook, so to speak. Look at your credit card statement. Your money goes a lot to entertainment. You love entertainment. Ask Amex to categorize it for you. <laughs> your money going a lot to groceries or restaurants. You love eating. We all need to eat, okay? But there's a difference of like eating peanut butter and jelly and then spending $200 on like, you know, a fancy meal out or whatever it is. There's a difference of like drinking water and being willing to spend $7 for a fancy latte at Starbucks. Why are, we, why are we willing to spend $7 when we really just need water? What is it that we love? The whipped cream, right? <laughs> um, if your money's going to stores and shops, Amazon. You like stuff. <laughs> you like it, man. You like stuff. I mean, you just need basic clothes. Why am I trying to look good up here, you know? This morning, I was like, babe, you like this? I was like, asking Michelle, she's like, you, you look good. It's like, I'm tired of you asking me that question. <laughs> Just put on a shirt and go up there. Why do we like the way we look? Why do we like shopping? We like, it, it shows something about our hearts, does it not? If our money's going a lot into savings accounts, into stock markets, investments, Maybe we, we like wealth. Maybe we like the security that we feel like wealth provides. I could go on, but I'm not going to for your sake because <laughs> it starts to get a little uncomfortable. Here's your homework assignment, your thought assignment. Consider what I just taught you. This is not genius from your pastor. This is the words of Jesus. For where your treasure is, let's put back up the verse, for where your stuff is, where your money goes, where your acquisitions are, where your possessions lie, where you've got material stuff is showing you something about your heart. Your hearts drive how we spend money. And therefore... I offered to you this very simple foundational statement that I've already told you was the core of the message. God is not chasing our money. He is chasing what? Our hearts. Could it be that the conversation is not actually about you giving more for the sake of just Jesus, filling up Jesus' needs? Could it be that actually you need him to challenge you to give more because by challenging you to give more, he's actually chiseling away at your heart. And what a gift it is for our hearts to be yielded to God. I'll close this morning by 
Ähm, telling you a, a story uh, from the Gospels. Because I was, as I was, I was praying about this, I, th I thought, you know, <laughs> this conversation about the heart is, it's really important, but it's also really hard. There's a, a pastor uh, who was discussing giving one time at his church, and he was trying to get to the, to the point of kind of similar to what I was making, and he asked his church a question, you know, if you had a million dollars, how many of you would be willing to give 10% of it to the church? And he asked everybody to raise their hand, and everybody raised their hand, you know, except for he noticed there's one guy that didn't raise his hand. He thought, good gracious, got to work on this guy's heart. After the service at the door, like I stand out at the door, he pulled the guy aside, and he said, hey, notice you. He didn't raise your hand, ask the question, is everything okay? He said, uh, yeah, pastor, I've got a million dollars. Sometimes when it gets down to the nitty gritty, we've got to take these principles and, and make them very personal. And they've got to become very practical. And we've got to really wrestle, is this my heart? Which is why God put on my heart to share, as we close this morning, a, a little story from the Gospels. If you've got your Bible, I think you do, because you were just in Matthew chapter 6, our single verse, if you flip two books over, go to Mark, then to Luke, I want you to be in Luke, chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. And the story that God put on my heart to share with you this morning as we're just thinking about this conversation that it's really not about money, it's about our heart, is this simple little story that Luke gives us from a day in Jesus' life with his disciples as they were hanging out in the temple, the place of worship. Some of y'all are familiar with the story. I'll read it and we'll talk about it. It said that as they were there, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And then he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but but she contributed out of her poverty and put in all that she had to live on. Let me read it again. And he said, truly, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. God is not chasing our money. He's chasing our heart. I would have loved to have been there that day. I think all of us, if we had been there standing with Jesus that day, would have felt the piercing of the Holy Spirit 
in our hearts. Because he's talking directly to us. He's wanting to get a hold of our attention about something that is essential for us to understand. See, Jesus sees beyond what we give to our heart. This is fascinating. Everybody there that day, everybody there is looking at it from the outside. Oh, that, that's a 20. Oh, those are, you know, quarters. Oh, he just wrote a check. I bet it's big. Everybody there that day is looking at what's going in to the offering by the, the amount given, by the size of the gift. Even perhaps as people looked at the widow, the disciples that day, they would have seen her putting in this, this small little mites, the tiniest of tiny of little currencies, our equivalent of a penny even less. Just putting in, she's walking up, she's dropping two pennies. And you would have looked at it and you'd go, oh, two pennies. Interesting. What Jesus is showing us is that he sees beyond the amount of money that you're giving. In fact, what he's talking to you about is that's not even his chief priority. He wasn't looking at the amount that woman gave. What Jesus sees is the heart of the woman. He sees beyond the amount into the heart. (laughs) What does this teach us? Here it is. It's not about how much you give. It's about how you give it. It is not about how much you give. It's just not. It is about how you're giving it. It's about your heart. It's not about the money from your pocket. It's about the motivation of your heart. It's not about the sum. It's about the sacrifice. Jesus sees beyond what you give to your heart. And that means there are some in this room who give large amounts of money. But as Jesus looks at our heart, he sees we give very little. There are some in this room who give little amounts of money. But as Jesus looks in our hearts, he sees we give a whole lot. Friend, what should motivate you to lean in to this study of money, what the Bible says, and even the opportunity we have in these coming weeks, what should motivate you to lean into what God has to say about your resources is that he is concerned about your heart. And because he's concerned about your heart, he cannot not talk to you about your money because it's directly related. What I wonder is as you give What does Jesus see? How much do you really give? And I'm not talking about the amount. I'm talking about your heart. God is not chasing our money. He's chasing our heart. This is why in places like in Matthew chapter six, a few verses earlier than where we 
read, Jesus talks about when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. They may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. Rather, he says, but when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. For it's in the secret place that the Father who sees in secret will reward you. What is Jesus saying? This is not about your amount of giving. It's not about other people knowing you're a generous person. This is about you and God. This is about your heart. This is why other passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 say, each one must give as he's decided in his what? In his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's looking at your heart. Friends, I've said it every way I know to say it. I'm gonna say it one more time. I told you, the simplest message ever. Are you tired of me saying it? Don't answer that question. God is not chasing your money. He is chasing your heart. And over the next four weeks after today, I want to present to you from the scripture four ways that I believe God wants to grow your heart. I believe God wants to grow your heart. And if we can reframe the conversation about money to not be about the amount we give, but the hearts that we have, then I believe it'll unleash flourishing in our lives for the glory of God and your good. I wanna talk to you about how God wants to grow our worship, how he wants to grow our trust, how he wants to grow our stewardship, and he wants to grow our sense of impact. They'll be represented with symbols that we'll put up week by week. There are four main ways that I believe that God wants to grow our hearts. And I believe that if we're open to God and we allow him to grow us from the inside on the outside, all the rest will take its proper place. So this morning, as I leave you, some of y'all are in community groups, If you're not in a community group, we encourage you to get one. This is a great time of year to do that. You'll hear more about that in just a moment. But perhaps whether it's a personal journey or a group journey for you, I want to leave you with some thought-provoking questions. The first one is the one that I started with as a reason for resistance. Could it be that for you personally, part of your resistance to this conversation or even taking actions around giving is related to your lack of a full understanding of the good design of God? Could it be that this morning a helpful thing to do would be to humble yourself and say, God, I've been trying to keep control and God, I know, God, that you actually have control and I know I need to hear from you, God, on this. I've been considering all this is mine, but really it's all yours and I've been thinking maybe that there's some bad motivation in all this, but God, I actually believe you're motivated. I can look at your life and your sacrifice for me, your servant-heartedness, you're giving your life for me and I can know, God, you're not motivated to try to steal from me, to take from me. You're actually motivated because you love me and what you speak to me about this, God, I believe is good. So I'm gonna open myself. Maybe that for you is your journey. Second question for reflection is what could it be like to open yourself to a real growth journey in giving. That's not about your money, but is about your heart. Father, I thank you for the words, God, you have spoken to us. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to journey with you in this season. I pray, Father, that you would bless. I pray, God, that today we would not hold back from allowing you to speak to us in this area. 
we just want to tell you we've heard you and we, we believe you that there is a direct connection between what we have and how we use it and our hearts. And Lord, we need you to speak into us. We need to have this conversation. Lord, we need to allow you to just have your way. And so Lord, we, we open ourselves to you even now. We pray, come Holy Spirit. We invite you near. We invite you to speak to us, to touch us, to change us. Lord, forgive us for thinking that the amount of money is what's important. Some of us feeling real good about ourselves because we give big amounts, but Lord, as you see our hearts, we've actually given small. Forgive us, Lord, for our pride. Forgive us, Lord, for our insecurity of thinking we don't have anything of value to give because we have very little when, God, you see our hearts and you see that we actually have a heart to give a lot. Lord, help us to just open ourselves to see as you see. Lord, you're chasing our heart. So we yield our hearts to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.